Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, should the industry follow the Trolls World Tour? Why Netflix is more valuable than Disney? And are we excited for a return to Dune? All this and more as we reach our next stop the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, and whether it's the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, or Game Source, we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He's our own world touring troll for Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, his awesome podcast, Topicocalypse, and his great book entitled Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, hey. Yeah, you know, world touring, but hopefully not as annoying as trolls. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there's some actually some uh, kind of Mixed news when it concerns the Trolls World Tour. Some of it good, but what kind of sign does it mean for Hollywood down the road? So we'll talk about that here in a minute. Plus, we've got a lot to talk about when it concerns a new Dune movie, because there's been some picks, on-set picks, that have been shown off recently. Are we excited for Dune that's coming out later this year? Plus, also as well, we're going to mention a live-action Robin Hood, and then talk about some shows that Maybe you should go out of your way to see right now that are on FX and Netflix. And, of course, we've got Jessica Boggs coming up here in a little bit as well. She and I are going to be talking at length about the wrestling wars in part one of her April TV update. She's going to be talking about the wrestling wars and how it's a little bit lackluster at this point in time. But first, my friend, it is... Trolls World Tour. And normally we wouldn't start off an episode with something like that because it's basically a kids' fair movie. It's, it's something that was designed when it was going to be released to the box office, which was supposed to be released to the box office this past weekend. It was probably going to do in second place or maybe third because you had Mulan coming out a couple weeks ago that was originally scheduled. Unfortunately, it got moved because of coronavirus. Then you, it was going to come out on the same weekend that James Bond, or thereabouts the same weekend as James Bond, which also got moved because of coronavirus. 
And then it was going to come out a couple weeks before Black Widow, unfortunately, which also got moved. It was going to come out a couple weeks later. So you had all these movies surrounding it. So it didn't have the highest of expectations, but it was still going to generate, I would say, probably about 100 to $150 million at the box office. But the good news is that if you believe Universal and all that, you know, the highest digital debut ever for just going straight to digital. So it's a good sign for the digital market and what Josh has been saying about people staying home, wanting to check it out. But it isn't going to recoup all the money that a movie like that would normally get. But I want to ask you this, Josh. This is going to start leading a trend into movies that probably weren't going to do so well at the box office that are going to go ahead and maybe find some life at home digital. But in the case of Trolls World Tour, that would have generated at least enough money to maybe pay for itself before you go ahead and go on home digital. Is this something that you're going to see more of is where all these first line movies going ahead and moving to digital? I know My Spy and there's a couple others that are already on the way. But is this something that's going to be there if you, you know, if you have a movie that's on the fringe of making money or not, just going ahead and say, you know what, we're going to go straight to digital? I don't know about that. I think that Trolls World Tour is unique in the fact that, think about this, we've had all these kids home from school, right? And we've had, you know, parents have been working from home trying to find things to entertain their kids. Trolls World Tour comes out. It is, the first one was one of the most annoying movies I've ever seen, but at the same time, like kids loved it you know you're we're in this this time period where parents are looking for things to entertain their kids and trolls world tour comes out and that might be why so many people are consuming this film as opposed to if it were in theater i don't think it would be getting as much views as it is now people are just looking for things to keep their kids entertained and if you go to target and walmart too though like you have they're doing a great job of marketing this film but it, it just goes back to show you, you know, COVID-19 has changed the landscape of how movies are consumed. I think people are, are going to be wanting to watch movies from home now. And if a movie like Trolls can work, you know, as far as the budget goes, if it's economically friendly for a studio like DreamWorks to release Trolls straight to DVD, straight to digital, like it seems like a good idea to me. Because, you know, we, like I said before, like the, the landscape of film is changing and COVID-19 is kind of a good time for people to sit back and look at their marketing strategies. It is. Like you said, even with this record success for Trolls World Tour, it can't make up for, like I said, 100, 150, maybe even if it was if it was a success, $200 million worldwide. Because then you also got to consider it was going to come to home digital at some point in time anyways. Now, mind you, would not have made that kind of money when it went to home digital. But overall, you still got a loss there because you've got more than one person, when you buy at home digital, you got more than one person that's sitting around the couch probably watching it, or you got the kids watching it, maybe the parents watching it and all that. And instead of going out to the theaters, you're going to lose that income by buying all those tickets separately. So there is going to be a loss of income, but for something like Trolls World Tour, which had some type of anticipation for it by the kids, this bodes well for those type of films that are on the fringe. I know we talked about before in the past My Spy, which kept getting moved from release date to release date to release date for various reasons. Then coronavirus kicked in. Now the studio has said, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and release it straight to digital. There's also another one coming up called The Lovebirds. That's something that probably would have bombed had it been kept in theaters. I think the first movie of the kind before the coronavirus hit that made the smart move 
was the Cloverfield Paradox. If you remember, like two years ago at Super Bowl, it was advertised like right there. You could get this movie right now, and it was a massive hit for Netflix at the time. This was a movie that was probably going to bomb at the box office, so that was a smart move. I don't think you're going to find the same success each and every time as Trolls World Tour. I think there's some caveats. It's a kid's movie. It's the type of movie that maybe you can sit the kids around and give them something new to do. Uh, I think there's some caveats as far as what movies you go ahead straight to digital on, but at least this gives a better dynamic on on what type of money you can generate, even though you're not going to generate as much as if you put in the theaters originally. This could still, at least for some of those failing movies that you know would have bombed the box office, could be some way now in a new environment to recoup some of those losses. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I completely agree with you. But at the same time, you know, I think kids' movies are a safer bet to put straight to digital. What are the Amazon Prime or Fandango, you know, watch on demand thing? You're still charging $20. Because think about this, like a family who goes to the movies, right? And you're saying they're missing out on box office revenue, but who's to say for sure, right? Because a lot of people, you go, you have three three or four kids, you go to the movies theaters, and you're paying about 15, $12 to $15 a ticket for each of them. But whereas you can, a family can sit at home, an entire family can sit at home and watch this movie for $20. So you can buy this movie for about the cost of two tickets. So I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested to see the statistics on this, but I also, you know, like I said, I feel like it's a safer thing to do with kids' movies, especially in this time, because people are at home, right? Parents are working. Parents are looking for ways to keep their kids entertained. Let me ask you this. Do you think that if we were not in a time of COVID-19 and they put this movie out straight to digital, do you think that it would be doing as well as it is? Well, like I said, uh, you know, it, it would have come out at a time where you had Mulan already in the theaters. You would have had James Bond at competing against, but then it's counter-programming to James Bond, but you still would have had Mulan and then Black Widow a couple weeks later after it becomes on market. So it obviously was not going to be number one at the box office in many locations around the world, but still, if as a kid's movie at this time, it would have generated, again, you're, you're, you're probably talking between $100, $150 million worldwide that even if it's not beating its success or the type of success that they wanted to meet, still would have generated that type of income. And that income is lost. So you, so you got that income lost. And yes, you're putting it right to digital and you're making up some of those losses because you're having an audience that is seeing this new and fresh. But still, I don't think it's going to make up for the fact that they, in the, at the end of the day, when they go ahead and project and they sit down how much did we really lose by not having in theaters? I think they're going to go ahead and say maybe, you know, the, the cost difference will probably be a lot closer. But I still think they're going to lose about 50 to $70 million from what they would have had had they released in the theaters. Okay, then on that note, do you think that they are going to try to make movies more budget-friendly for the time being? You know, if, if this is the wave of the future... If films are going to be released on digital, do you think they're going to try to make these movies more budget friendly in order to accommodate this market? You know, I would I would say that is yes. I mean, at least we know what the landscape might be like if for the next year, two years until the end of 2021, possibly even longer. So if that's the case, theaters will probably not have the same kind of attendance 
over the course of the next two years, at least maybe until the summer of 2022, you know, that could be that late before people will feel confident enough in going to the theaters in mass. And if that's the case, you're going to have to downscale your projects. You're going to have to stop going in and having those big budget movies for the most part that could be adversely affected. You might still have the top end Marvel movies, DC movies, and those type of, you know, even the, the Martin Scorsese rumored $200 million movie he's trying to put around either to the films or even Netflix is maybe interested in what he has to offer with that, with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro and all that. But it's those midline movies. It's those lower budget movies. The lower budget movies will still have a place, but it's those midline movies, those 30 to 50 to $70 million movies, movies like Uncharted that we love to point to that possibly could be affected by what's going on because studios will now say, are we really sure we want to invest that type of money on something that has no guarantee on making it big at the box office, that has no assurance that it's going to draw people in? Are we just going to go ahead with that type of project? Are we going to scale it back or are we going to even do it at all? Because I think you're going to have a situation like we do with video games where the midline, the double A producing companies they're no longer really exist we just either have the triple a games or we have the indie games that are coming out at this point in time yeah i mean i feel like there is a market for everything you know every type of media that can be consumed i mean even you go back to look at trolls right they have the trolls the the stories that have gone straight to dvd or straight to netflix same thing with how to train your dragon so i feel like if any studio that makes kids films is set up for something like that it is dreamworks because you know outside of how to train your dragons and trolls like they've done stuff with shrek you know so i don't remember a lot of their other animated films off the top of my head but if anyone can make a budget conscious film that is going to be straight to dvd release that can be profited on it is dreamworks i feel so we'll see what happens as we go along like josh has said the industry at least for the foreseeable future is going to be changing and changing dramatically uh, a lot of these projects which are talked about and being discussed and possibly in some form or fashion was underway before the coronavirus may not be after the coronavirus because these studios either can't afford it or don't think it'll be worth the risk of an audience that may not be as willing to go to the theaters there's going to be a lot of discussion on which movies will and will not make the big screen. But one thing's for certain, the digital market is getting a lot bigger and bigger and it's becoming a lot more prevalent, as is the case with Trolls World Tour. So I think in the future, if more semi-big or even big projects come directly to the digital screens, then I think we're going to see a lot more money produced there, which could be at the detriment of anyone wanting to go to the theaters. What are your thoughts out there on the success of Trolls World Tour? Was it a good thing that it did so well on digital, or is it a sign to things to come in the current climate of the coronavirus? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, 
Dune. We've seen some pictures now. We've seen some stuff that's been released, some more information. A director that you and I are very familiar with, Denis Villeneuve, whose last project or last major project, Blade Runner 2049, sits very highly on our list. And I think our, our longtime listeners know how much affection we have for it since we seem to get a Blade Runner 2049 reference on so many shows. At least once a month, it seems to be happening at that point in time. So it has left an indelible mark. And in fact, in our top 10 movie list, which I just accumulated so many, and if you still want to turn in a top 10 list, you're more than welcome to at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But you saw that the Blade Runner 2049 is so high up on your list. It's on my list. So I want to hear your thoughts. Are you excited for Denis Villeneuve delving into the world of Dune? It's not been something that's gone and, and been done well on a big screen or even on a TV screen. The TV miniseries was bleh. The movie, as you know, in the early 80s was very much panned at, the, at that point in time. So I want to hear your thoughts on, is it now a good time to go ahead and go back into the world of Dune? So I don't really have a big history with Dune. You know, I know we've talked about this before. Like, you're you're a big fan, and I, I said I've always been interested in it. I've always been interested in, like, reading the books and the comic books, because the world is, is very intriguing to me. And it's just, it's something I've never had the time to dive into. But as I'm seeing these images leak out... It, it does look very much like something I would enjoy. It does. I love the work that Dennis uh, Villeneuve does. You know, as you said, I am a huge Blade Runner 2049 fan. And I do love the fact that he has said he would go back to revisit that world. But I, I really, I, he, I'm seeing the images. I'm seeing it's like it's, um, what's his name from Star Wars? Uh, Oscar, what's the name I'm thinking about? Oscar Eyes, Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a, a, cavalcade of stars that timothy chalamet zendaya there's just so many great stars that are currently attached so yeah exactly so i'm looking at these images of these up of them up on the screen and if there's one thing dennis Villeneuve does really well it's cinematography like he has such a way with like colors you know he has a way with colors and the way the camera is set up i mean dune is something that you would have to experience that on the big screen it really goes to show you that like a lot of people say the director, all he does is direct the film. You know, the writer doesn't get any credit, cinematographer doesn't get any credit, but it, it relies so heavily on those big pieces for a film like that to come together. Absolutely. It's not just about the shot. It's about how it looks, how it goes and weaves itself into the movie, plus editing. If you have a shot that lingers too long, it, it takes away the effect. If you have it that is too short, it has no meaning. So you got to have the shots cut in the, exactly the right way at the right point in time. So it takes a coordinated effort between the editor, between the cinematographer, and the director to go ahead and create those type of experiences that you and I love so much, like in Blade Runner 2049. We mentioned 1917. And Denis Villeneuve, I mean, Sicario, Blade Runner 2049, he has a few movies under his belt that have been acclaimed as well. So I, I think... The bets are stronger on Dune becoming a hit, finally, to an audience. Because, again, around the turn of this century, I think it was a USA or Sci-Fi or one of the, the cable networks tried their hand, uh, along with, I think, also the BBC, at Dune. And it didn't quite work out. I, I saw parts of it, uh, and I just wasn't impressed. And then you have, like I said, the early 1980s films which for me i kind of enjoy i 
I kind of enjoy it in a guilty pleasure type of way. I know it looks bad at times, even from the standards of what 1983-84 was giving it, because we saw what was going on with Star Wars and several other films at that time that did have success. Blade Runner, for instance, the original Blade Runner, looks so good. Dune, which came out around that time, didn't unfortunately look that good. Patrick Stewart and Sting. I will kill him! I will kill him! I will! Just shouting on that, just arrogant. But it was just so funny to watch him. Did he ever find his desert rose? I don't know. I don't know. But every little thing was not so magic in that film, throwing these puns out there. But he was so over the top in the film. And then you you have just so many different elements of the film that was just not done to to level it should have been. But yeah, this can't be fun. And if you want to go ahead and check it out, it's there. You can find it online right now. You can find it out there in the streaming markets. But yeah, that movie is probably going to become more prevalent as we get closer to Dune later this year, or at least it's scheduled to anyways. But I want to ask you, like you said, you said you're not as familiar with the world of Dune. And obviously you would start off with the book itself. I mean, is this something that you would get yourself into? I mean, at least you're familiar enough to know that, hey, this is something that might look good given the kind of quality that's behind it at this point. I'll be honest. I wasn't a fan. I mean, I I wasn't a fan of the movie Arrival, as we've discussed several times, but it was a very beautiful looking film. So if Dennis Villeneuve did a live action SpongeBob movie, I would go watch it, despite how much I'm not like a huge fan of SpongeBob these days. So Yes, I am excited. It is something I'm going to watch. I don't know if I'll get through all the books by the time the movie comes out. It is a film I do want to see. And if it's anything near as, you know, from what I understand, the source material is very complex. So if it's anywhere near as, you know, intriguing as and in-depth and philosophical and even theological as Blade Runner is and the way that he handled the material, then I cannot wait to watch this film. What about a film that you may not be so eager to see in... A live-action Robin Hood that's rumored to be coming to Disney Plus at some point in time. The Robin Hood movies have been done to death, in my opinion. I think that should not be the case, but Disney, who is finding so much success with Disney Plus, because when Disney Plus first started, I noticed Robin Hood was trending. The original cartoon animated Robin Hood was trending, I should say. So they saw the success of that, and they're thinking, okay, let's make a live-action version. So I ask you, my friend, are you excited for another rendition of Robin Hood? Not so much. Like, this is one I really wish they wouldn't touch. You know, Robin Hood is, is, has been a franchise, not a franchise, but like a property that's kind of been beaten to death over the years. The last, like, really good iteration I saw of Robin Hood was Ridley Scott's Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. Uh, but, you know, Disney is remaking its classic 1973 Robin Hood. You know, that's that's the that's the basis of this conversation. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about like the anthropomorphic characters. You know, I don't know how I feel about having a, a fox playing Robin Hood. It was classic in 1973 is classic when I was a kid, even like I love this movie. But it's just it's one of those things where I feel like it's. You know, the, in the same vein as Dumbo, it's just Disney making something just because they can make it, and they're hoping to cash in on on nostalgia. But here's the thing: like this is, I'm sure some adults will go see it, but this is not something that a lot of kids these days are really familiar with. I feel like you know, it's not like a Frozen, it's not Brave, it's not Toy Story, even. It's just it's a 
film that adults enjoy watching. Adults will probably go see it. Maybe they'll take their kids to see it, but I don't see this being a box office success. Or how are you feeling about it, though? Is it something that you think you take your daughters to go see? Well, it's just going to Disney+. Plus. Okay, so that's an even bigger question. How can they afford to do that, then? I'm sure it's it's not exactly... Uh, making a movie like that wouldn't exactly be budget-friendly. Yes. I mean, they're going to do it in the realm of what they're doing now with the Marvel movies and the Mandalorian, and they're going to probably do it in that realm and have those type of budgets. The director is Carlos Lopez Estrada, who last filmed Blind Spotting, I think back a couple of years ago. He looks like he's taking it on and going to be able to take care of this for Disney Plus. So I think as long as they keep, like we were talking about before, when it concerns all the movies, when you're the focus now being on digital, this is a movie that probably would not be a safe bet at the box office, at the theaters, would probably not generate that type of money. But if you have a budget-friendly type scope for it, if you have those ideals for it, then you can go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to keep it within this framework of cash. Maybe it's something that a lot of people, when it finally gets made and say a year from now, it's something that a lot of people may turn to. Disney Plus has got to start looking to making more original content. You and I have spoken about that before, and that's something that definitely has to work in their favor because they now have a large audience. They now have over 50 million. They just announced it, 50 million subscribers. They have to look at and see this in a context where they have to create a lot of original content. And if they keep this budget friendly, you know it's going to get watched simply because it's on Disney+. Plus. I didn't say it was a good move. I didn't say it was a move I want to happen. I just know if it's done in a family-friendly type format, which you know it's going to be on Disney+, Plus, just because it's there, it's going to be watched. I mean, take a look at the stuff that's hitting Netflix. I mean, when you have the big show show, you have also as well Tiger King, but mainly Tiger King is still thought of in, in, in a decent context. But the big show show, when that hits to the top five in Netflix, that just shows that when you throw something out there at this point in time, almost anybody will watch it. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to consider heavily the climate we're in right now, though, too. A lot of people are home from work looking for things to binge, looking for things to keep their attention occupied. Like, I'll be honest, like there are some movies that... I have watched on Netflix, you know, because I was I was bored and shows that I would never have even like thought about watching. You know, Tiger King is a great example of that. Right. It's something I would have never taken the time to sit down and watch unless I really had nothing else to do. So, you know, and and Disney is weird in the fact that, like, I know they had a lot of things they were planning on releasing in theaters that went to Disney Plus, like Stargirl, for example, that was one that people have been talking about for a few years, saying that that was going to hit theaters in February, and then they announced Disney Plus, and all of a sudden it became a Disney Plus release. I don't know how good it is. I don't know if people have watched it. I've been curious about it because I, I taught the book to my sixth graders. But you know, if you look at the opposite side of that coin, though, you have Lady and the Tramp, right? It's not. It's based on a beloved property, but people it kind of flew under the radar. People didn't really know it existed. And when they finally did watch it, they came back thinking like, oh, man, this movie's not that great. So, you know, taking a movie, if they're if they're taking such a classic, it's going to be there's not going to be an in-between for it. It's not going to be something people are going to be like, eh, it was all right. It's either going to be something that is really good or it's just really bad. And no one will ever talk about it. Again. It'll just get buried in the plethora of things on Disney+. Plus. And there's a lot of projects right now on Netflix that can say the same thing. And uh, I think we're going to start seeing that with 
Disney Plus. I mean, think of it like shovelware on the Wii. You're going to see eventually a lot of shovelware on Disney Plus like you do already on Netflix. So. Well, it's like Steam, right? You have all these games where people are making dumb things. Like, if you want how the KFC Colonel dating simulator, like, it's just things people make to pass the time. Exactly. And there's, there's going to be a lot of movies there that just get watched because people are bored. So, we're going to see a Disney Plus version or rendition of Robin Hood in the near future. Is this something you'd be interested in going back into the realm of Robin Hood? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But also, if you can, please let us know your thoughts on Dune. And would you be excited for a new rendition of Dune, which we are more excited for? That looks like it'll be coming to theaters by the end of this year, at least scheduled as of now. So let us know your thoughts on Dune and Robin Hood at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it's our good friend Jessica Boggs. She and I are going to sit down and talk a little bit in a part one of our April TV update about the lack of wrestling wars. And we'll get to a little bit more in detail about why the wrestling wars at this point in time are a little bit disappointing coming up right after the break. And then also as well, Josh and I are going to be talking about some shows that are must-see TV right now. And then going back to Netflix and Disney, why Netflix could be more valuable right now than Disney. This is the PCC Multiverse. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. And it's that time. That's right. It's a TV update for you. It's that time again. And we just truly appreciate her coming back every time she comes back on. She was on earlier this month. But now she's in here for her regular April TV report. It's my good friend. You know her as one of the lead writers for the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out what she's doing today at the TVRatingsGuide.com where they do a lot of reviews. Cancel Renew Index, they've got a great one for each and every network out there. Plus, all the great stuff that they're doing as far as their original content and so much more. It is the TVRatingsGuide.com. I think you guys got to pay me for that over the TVRatingsGuide.com. I think I earned some cash there for now for almost two years now. So, I don't know. The check's in the mail, I know. It is my good friend. Miss Jessica Boggs. And Jessica, great to have you back on the program one more time. In cable right now, who's seeing the biggest decline? I'm guessing we're moving on towards wrestling wars. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where we are. And first off, before we go into the wrestling wars, I've just received word that fortunate passing. I don't know why it's not said as of yet, but 
uh, as of this recording, WWE longtime ring announcer, Howard Finkel. I mean, most people know him as the Fink. He was there for many WrestleManias, many Madison Square Garden matches that, that took place. Some of the biggest matches in WWE history he has ring announced for. He unfortunately has passed away at the age of 69. So our, our thoughts are with his family and, and also the WWE universe. And it's a very sad sign indeed. But paying our respects here at the Pop Culture Cosmos for everything he contributed. But speaking of the wrestling wars, and I'm just going to say right now, People are not liking the closed arenas. I think they thought it was a novelty at first, and the numbers were remaining somewhat decent in the beginning, but people are liking it less and less and less. And I understand just the sheer monetary value of having these, the you know, the crowd there, obviously, because you're generating an all more income and all that. But I think for the television viewer, they are desiring it as well because after the WrestleMania that took place, it's obviously not led to better ratings, which it usually does as a short-term spike each and every year. It's leading to a much bigger downturn and some historically bad numbers for Raw and also AEW as well. Well, yeah, I think on WWE, you can, in the long term, you can you can definitely see Vince McMahon playing somewhat of a factor because... There have been reports that he refused to stop live events on the wrestling front. I mean, just put repeats on. Don't risk the health and safety of... The wrestlers themselves? Yeah, and not just that, but the ring announcers and everything else. Yeah, but unfortunately, in the case of WWE, I'm not sure with AEW and TNT's agreement, because I know that's for three years. I don't know what that entails as far as the specifics are concerned. I can tell you from my investigation and research into what several reports have said, including from OneWrestling.com and the Wrestling Observer and all that. Heading back to the WWE, I mean, the numbers there are bad. They're under 2 million. And people are not liking it as far as the closed arena settings. But in the case of the WWE, as I was saying, it's a monetary issue because they have to, their agreements with the USA Network their agreements with Fox and all that, they're required to produce X amount of live shows for an entire year. So they have to produce, the majority of their shows have to be live or else it's a monetary cut that they're going to, to face. So they're basically, if they don't put on live shows, they don't get money. They don't get as much money. They'll, they'll get a cut in their pay or cut in the contract, things of that nature. And that is obviously something right now very big and very meaningful to the company. So they had to make a financial decision. You can go into political detail all you want as far as whatever Florida governor saying that WWE is essential. If you say it's not essential, if you say it is essential, that's on you. I don't want to go ahead and get into that detail because I think that's a debate. I don't know in and of itself if you think the WWE is essential. It just gets to me to the point where it was a monetary decision to keep going. It's a monetary decision to keep airing live shows. And WWE is cutting costs. They cut over 15, 15 to 18 wrestlers yesterday uh, as we're recording this. They cut several producers or furloughed several producers and, and referees and other WWE personnel. So they're making cuts and furloughs it's like virtually every other company is in America. But yes, the reason why that they're still running live shows is strictly monetary based. It, it is always about money. There's people that refuse to go back to wrestling because of this. 
especially on the WWE front. Absolutely. And this is, I don't think it's going to permanently damage the company because obviously they were just one stone cold Steve Austin away from getting back to a boom in wrestling. And it's, it's all, they're always one stone cold Steve Austin attitude era away from, from that type of deal. I mean, they've, you know, are you always trying to recreate that popularity? And so maybe someday down the road, they will have that once again, that, that will spark the interests of general consumer audience. It's not right now, but maybe someday they will. Same thing with AEW. They're just one superstar away from, from really attaching itself to a, to a larger audience. That's always the case with pro wrestling. But for right now, they are seeing some downtimes, but there are some necessities at hand that they're having to go through. They are putting lives of wrestlers at risk. I'm not loving it personally, but again, there are some business decisions to be made by both the wrestlers and the companies involved. And that to me is, is concerning, but you know, as that's what happens. We, we got to go forward. Yeah. And that's making some impact on the ratings itself. And it's not necessarily a good thing long-term. No, it isn't Jessica. I mean, you've got WWE again, like I said, raw is under 2 million viewers for really the first extended time ever in its history. SmackDown is also under two and a half million viewers. Actually it's right around 2.2, 2.1 million viewers on fox it's it's getting a distant i think it's last among the broadcast networks on friday night so that's not a good sign from what we were talking about when we were hoping that fox would be able to go ahead and promote smackdown and smackdown would be much better as a representation on fox unfortunate to see there but aew which initially had a high upon this you know coronavirus uh, stay at home type deal has seen the numbers plummet to the six seven hundred thousands uh you know they've lost two three hundred thousand viewers at times week over week and that's also a shame too because they're right now in the area of what they are with nxt that's also airing on on wednesday nights and right now again i think it's just a lack of interest in the overall products because of what they're able to showcase in a closed arena environment it just it's just not as fun to watch and it's just not as interesting yeah I think until the stay-at-home orders are lifted, which could be another month or two, or maybe even into next year, we don't know for sure, those ratings are going to continue to go down or at least stay at that level to stop the bleeding. There's a hardcore audience that will watch it. We're now seeing what that hardcore audience amount is, I think. I don't think it'll bottom out much more on the WWE and on AEW side, but you know it's getting close to the bottom. Uh, I just think I think there's a a floor that there's a hardcore audience that's going to follow it no matter what. But I think that hardcore f- audience floor is getting it's getting closer and closer to that point in time. But we'll have to wait and see how this continues, how the ratings continues to go ahead and be in flux as we go ahead and go forward. Just just continual updates. You catch them right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos on our Facebook page. But also, you can catch them at the TVRatingsGuide.com. Jessica, before we head on out, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. What's going on at the TVRatingsGuide.com and why people need to tune into the TVRatingsGuide.com? Well, we have Renew Cancel articles. We update it fairly, regularly, and we also have 
editorials. We still got TVRGO scripts running that we will be running those in the summer. So people remain kind of like entertained. Plus we have an off topic thread where people just congregate in the comments section, talk about whatever bothers people or whatnot. That's literally the contributor hub at the moment. But also we have the sitcom scorecard put back and we do have a few new guest contributors, but not official yet. They've been posting under TV ratings guide account. So that's just recently been sent on email. And you could find out more on everything, everything that's available today for the TV ratings guide at the TV You should follow them on social media where you get the updates there. But you also can go to com again for their original content, all their contributor posts, all the stuff that's going on with the Renew Cancel Index, the, the sitcom scorecard, reviews, so much more. It's all available today at thetvreignsguide.com. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you once again. I cannot thank you enough for stopping by. Any last thoughts on the way out? Make sure to keep watching television or else the ratings are going to continue bleeding the long term. And in case of some shows, some networks, and the wrestling wars, it is bleeding heavily right now. No pun intended there. But there's also the fact that there's a lot of shows that are benefiting from this time in the stay-at-home quarantine area. Jessica, I wanted to say to you and to everyone out there, please stay safe. I hope everyone continues to be healthy out there. Hope everyone continues to listen out there to what's going on here, but also check out everything going on at the TV ratings guide. Stay healthy, stay safe. Uh, I'll definitely be coming back. Once again, it's Jessica Box from the TV You got to check her stuff out today and all the other great articles and reviews and so much more at the TV My friend, it's been great talking as always. Cannot thank you enough for being part of the pop. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming 
and podcasting options. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Want to give a big thank you to Jessica Box from the TVRatingsGuide.com. She stopped by for part one of her April TV update. Stay tuned to the Monday show, the Pop Culture Cosmos, and she'll bring you the all the good stuff that comes along with the rest of part two of her April TV update. Cannot thank her enough for taking the time to do so. And also a great conversation on the wrestling wars or lack thereof at this point in time. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to ask you this. You said you've been going around Netflix. You've been going around the digital. You've been going around the the television as far as checking out some certain things. Have you had a chance to check out Ozark? Okay, so Ozark is one that has been talked about on the Topic Apocalypse top, uh, you know, top five top shows of the year for the past two years, and something that people keep telling me I need to watch. Big Dog and Brett are always going, "Do you need to watch Ozark?" It's not something that I have had time yet to sit down and watch. And when I do, it, you know, something else pops up that might be more intriguing to me. So it's just it's something I need to have the self-sacrifice to sit down and watch. I have not seen it. I've heard great, absolutely fantastic things about the show. It's got a really, really great cast and I have plans to watch it. But have you seen it? Is it what are, what are your thoughts on it? I have had a chance to check it out. I know Brett Allen of the Open Mic podcast. He asked me to go ahead and check it out. It is trending between and toggling between number one and number two between that and Tiger King right now on Netflix. So it is something that is finally getting its just due. I think in a different climate last year, the year before, it was more under the radar. But this is Jason Bateman's project. He, you know, he's not only a star, but he's directed several of the episodes. And it's something that I think a lot of people are now really getting into. So I think it's going to start getting more and more acclaim. It's very gritty. It's very Breaking Bad. It, it takes to me. It's actually more appealing than Breaking Bad. I think probably because I can uh, relate to more of his character than maybe Walter White's, because they just go down that dark. They both go down the dark roads. Let's put it that way. They both go down the dark roads of, into the crime world, whatnot. And I know a lot of people love Breaking Bad. It's got a great reputation. A lot of episodes that I've seen, uh, you know, are, are really good and cutting edge. But when you watch Ozark, I think that's something that the way it's presented, the way it's shown, even the dark imagery that's shown on so much of the, the shows in Ozark just represent a type of, uh, you know, a darkness that I think rarely gets represented well on, on any type of medium. Would you say that? Because just from watching the trailers, would you, I mean, this is how I feel about it, but would you say that it has like a, a maybe a little bit of like a justified vibe to it, like the Timothy Oliphant show? Do you think it kind of feels like that? A little bit, but actually even goes even darker because this is someone who put himself and his family into a situation that not many families would do, no matter what the type of money that's at stake. And the individuals that they're dealing with are ruthless killers. And this is something where, for instance, Breaking Bad. Let's go back back to Breaking Bad. I mean, Walter White, he put – it was really only himself into this type of situation for the most part that he put himself, him and Aaron Paul, because they knew what they were doing. This is where the whole family, including the kids, they know what dad's doing. They know what type of trouble he's getting himself into, and they are experiencing this stuff 
firsthand on occasion, which borderlines on the shocking because if they're involving the kids into this type of scenario. But I think that's what makes this show a lot edgier is the fact that they're willing to go with, uh, you know, a character of Jason Bateman stature because Jason Bateman, you don't think he's the type of guy that could lead this type of project or put himself, his character, put himself in that type of position of being the money launderer for the, you know, for drug cartels and all that. But yet it works and it works so well because of the fact that you're seeing it all through his eyes, but not only that, his family's as well. And it just, it works so well because it does so many things differently than anything I've seen before. Yeah, you're right. Just, I mean, just from what I've seen of the show and the trailers, it looks like it, it goes far beyond the typical drug cartel story, right? It has. It looks like it has a lot of layers to it. And those are, uh, it, it, it feels like it is made not just by a good, uh, you know, a good, pro- not producer, but good like directors behind the chair, but it also feels like it is very well written and there's a lot of character development involved. So that's why it's something that I don't want to just watch and passing. I want to sit down and actually get into this show and devote, you know, the, the time that I need to fully, you know, envelop myself in the story. And another show that I think you should get into and a lot of other people should get into is is something that I think a lot of people are familiar with, with what we like, and that's Taika Waititi. We love his stuff. We love, you know, his, his movies that he's directed in the recent past. Obviously, Thor Ragnarok comes to mind with a lot of people. But one of the movies that he made was a mockumentary in the past called What We Do in the Shadows, which follows a group of vampires in a modern-day setting. And it's just really a hilarious movie, and I highly recommend it. But FX, in the past couple of years, have, in the, oh, it's in season two, has recreated that. I think he's one of the executive producers on it still. And that is What We Do in the Shadows for FX. It's now in season two. It's getting a lot of acclaim, and it, it, you know, it. The movie itself was hilarious, and this TV show that it that now has and now is with different actors that are now playing a lot of the roles in there. It's creating a lot of dynamics within the tried and and true tropes of the monster genre, but it's playing it in such a way that it still finds it fascinating and. It shows, Josh, that yeah, not all the great ideas were just in the movie, that there's a lot of great ideas they can continue to pursue with what, what we do in the shadows. I mean, just having vampires over for your Super Bowl party, to me, is a joke in and of itself right there. So this, this, is, uh, this might be a dumb question. So apparently it is already on TV. I keep reading about the show and oh, wondering. Yeah. I was wondering when it was finally coming out, but I haven't gotten a chance to watch it. So oh, yeah. I didn't two. know that it was out. So that's great news. Yeah, season I am two a, just came out. Season two just yeah, came so out. Yeah, so I just saw a news article. Yeah, and I have a lot of friends who are like posting things saying like, this is the greatest comedy moment I've, I've seen since The Office. And I'm like, okay, well, if it's getting that much praise, like maybe it is something that was really well put together, you know? And I, I just, I remember from the movie, like I remember laughing really hard at that movie as like the, you know, the, that college girl's over and she's saying, Oh, I'd like to travel one day, and he looks up at the camera and smiles, and then he he bites her. But like it, it is. There's a lot of situational comedy that could that is just the the potential for situational comedy in that show seems like it's it's very high. So I am um, yes, I do want to watch it. I, I think that it is it, Taika Waititi's great at what he does, and I imagine he would only let this property be turned into a television show if he really trusted the hands behind it. So. Yes, I do want to watch it. I am excited about it. 
Uh, I might even try starting to watch some of it this weekend. So we'll I'll get back to you on that. Well, it's funny because one of the characters, and this is not a, it's in the trailer, so it's already been out there. It's funny because one of the characters has wanted to become a vampire, but now finds out he's related to Van Helsing. So now he's thinking about in the same house, killing vampires. So, you know, there, there lies a paradox. Does he want to be a vampire? Does he want to be a vampire hunter? So that paradox is there. It's, there's a lot of crazy scenarios. And again, Putting them in modern day settings, like for instance, at a Super Bowl party is just great ideas that they keep on going and flowing into it. And to me, it's something where usually I groan when I see a successful movie being transformed into a, you know, a, uh, into a TV series. And usually I groan on that, but this is something in its first season now going into a second season that I think that the the you know the producers Taika Waititi, but any fans of the What We Do in the Shadows movie can be proud of watching because it is really funny. It is is something that is very entertaining and FX, which goes out of its way to make good shows, and it has a lot of good shows under its belt. It really has done it again with What We Do in the Shadows, and it's really funny to see that Taika Waititi, even though you don't see his impression firsthand it still has its fingerprints all over it and you see the success from it. Yeah. And it's always, I mean, I imagine too, like as a writer, creator, director, like Taika Waititi probably sits back and is watching what other people are doing with his work and being, you know, fascinated by it, or he's, he's proud of it. Like it, it would have to have his stamp of approval. I imagine if he's on the board as like a producer, right? So it would be cool to be in his shoes to kind of see like a different take on what he created. I would love that myself. So uh, th this does sound like a really cool project. I hope you get a chance to check it out this weekend. It is what we do in the shadows. It is available now on FX or wherever you can try and find it available on streaming outlets. Uh, it is, like I said, uh, in a second season now, it's getting high acclaim. Ozark, that's available on Netflix. It's one of the most popular shows there. You got to check that out because it's really getting high acclaim as well. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on Ozark, hopefully on an upcoming Open Mic podcast, I'll get a chance to talk to Brett Allen on it. But again, if you have any thoughts on both Ozark and what we do in the shadows, and you want to share your thoughts on either show, just let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, just wanted to go ahead and make sure let everybody know, if you can, give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. It helps get us more out there as far as to, to knowledgeable fans out there on pop culture and gets us more in the know. Plus, also, if you want, if you have a question, just send it to us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We'll be glad to read it on the air. We're still looking for more top 10 movie lists. So if you got one, send it over. We'd love to hear from you. But if you can also subscribe to our show because there are thousands of listeners just like you that have enjoyed the show, that have done so. So we truly appreciate it. So you can get the latest episodes. There's many Lakers fast breaks, which I've been able to go ahead and put out there on the NBA draft and what's going on with the NBA right now in flux. So several episodes have just dropped on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. So you want to check that out as well. Inside Sports Fantasy Football had an episode this past weekend. Got one coming up in the near future as well. So check all that great stuff going on on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. You'll be glad you did. But before we head on out, my friend, 
Did you catch the news on the stock market that as of right now, because of what's going on with COVID-19 and the coronavirus, which is one and the same, that Netflix, I mean, it's been a Netflix and Disney dominated show, but Netflix has a greater value right now just by the smallest of margins over Disney+. Plus. Just as far as face value, stock value, the whole nine yards, Disney is losing somewhere in the neighborhood of $30 million a day. So right now, those numbers are skewed somewhat. And I think when it gets back to normal in a couple of years, you'll see that dramatically change. But your thoughts when you hear Netflix, remember the company 10 years ago, you were getting DVDs mailed to you from, is now ahead in value of Disney. Well, it it makes sense right now, right? Because we, we kind of talked about this when Disney Plus was announced, right? Disney has all of these big name properties. They have all these big money makers. But what happens when people get tired of those and they want to step outside of Disney made things? And like you said earlier in the show, Netflix has all of these things on there where you can just get lost in it. And whether or not you like certain genres of shows on Netflix, there is something for everybody. So it makes sense that with all of the variation of shows and uh, different and uh, you know types of things Netflix has to offer, that they would in this time right now when Disney's not actually making anything new, it makes sense that Netflix would climb ahead in terms of value because pe- more people are probably wanting to watch Netflix shows right now than. Than Disney, or at least that would be my assumption. Again, I'm not like a a marketing spe- uh, commentator or anything, but that's just my guess on why this is happening. Well, as long as Disney continues to bleed money, it's going to be a rhyme. I mean, obviously, when your 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 theme parks are not open and so many other facets of your your business is generating anything, nobody's going to the theaters. So your Marvel movies and all the other movies that you make or are not generating anything and you had to push them back. So times are tough right now at Disney and as well as everywhere right now. So times are tough right there. So don't read into the full face value of Netflix being more valuable in the short term over Disney. I still think over time, you know, once it gets back to some semblance of normalcy within our society that you should see a return to prominence for Disney The one thing I would say that is in Disney's type of of pocket is that they do have 50 million viewers now on Disney+. Plus. Mind you, that's only less than one-third what Netflix has, but they're gaining at a speed faster than what Netflix was growing at. So I think that needs to be kept in mind. And if Disney keeps on putting out original content, that's the key that's worth it for people to go ahead and justify getting Disney Plus. Then you could see a point in time where Disney is rivaling Netflix on total viewers worldwide, which could be a sign that Disney is coming back and coming back strong. Yeah, but they're also, you know, like you said, they're not producing anything right now. So that might be why they've slipped behind in the numbers. So it's just, it's really, you know, I'll, I'll be. Anxious to see that, you know, when this market, when every market, I guess, when the economy reaches equilibrium again, what is all of this going to look like? You know, are people have new allegiances to streaming services being created during this time or are these just people hopping around because they're bored? 
So we'll definitely see what happens right now. It is a different landscape because of everybody's so focused in on staying at home and viewing everything that's going on as much as they can with broadcast cable and also streaming outlets as well. So we're going to go ahead and keep an eye on it and we'll keep you alerted on our social media at Pop Culture Cosmos, but also right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. from Earth Station Who with the doctor in a prison cell and everyone else trapped in Chibnall Hell. Never fear. The way is clear with the crew of Earth Station Who right here. We save the day in the best possible way by giving you all new episodes. We mean the good stuff. Classic stories, big finish, fan favorites too. Coming to you throughout the year with happy Hoovy and cheer. And a smidge of super bonus Graham. So never fear. You can find Earth Station Who wherever you listen to fine podcasts. Remember to tell all your friends. Except for Ryan. And leave feedback and subscribe. First Station Who is a proud member of the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.